You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal, and your host of this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Today we've got a good one. We are talking about outlaw bikers at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. We've got college students going back to school and partying like rock stars throughout Labor Day weekend. And then to top it off, we've got an unsanctioned prayer rally right here in Seattle. What do those three things have in common? You're going to have to stay tuned to this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast to find out. All right, let's jump on into it. All right, the first one, and who doesn't want to talk about Sturgis? Cool motorcycle rally. They just have hundreds of thousands of people show up in Sturgis, South Dakota on their bikes. You drive across the country and you go hang out with a bunch of other bikers. Some of them outlaw bikers, some of them just normal people, a lot of professionals, but just a lot of bikes. All right, Sturgis Motorcycle Rally is linked to more than 265,000 cases of COVID, costing an estimated $12 billion. This is a legit report that just came out. It just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? I think it does. All right, at the beginning of this, we've got a picture. Motorcycle riders gather in Sturgis, South Dakota on August 8th for a large motorcycle rally that Sturgis has hosted since 1938. And that's a long time. Sturgis Motorcycle Rally might be rolling into the record books as the largest known coronavirus super spreader event in the U.S. to date. A new study that analyzed cell phone pings for rally attendees and the COVID-19 case numbers in the communities that they returned to estimates that more than 265,000 infections confirmed between August 2nd and September 2nd trace back to the massive gathering of motorcycle enthusiasts in South Dakota. We found that for counties that had a lot of people going to Sturgis after the rally, their case numbers started taking off relative to similar places that did not have a lot of people going to Sturgis. This guy said that the, and he's, uh, I don't know, an economics professor at the University of Colorado, Denver, one of the study's authors, and he told this to New York Times, uh, New York Daily News. He said that 266,796 cases of COVID-19 linked to Sturgis represent 19% of the 1.4 million new coronavirus cases confirmed in the U.S. during the study time frame. All right, but are these actually linked to the Sturgis bike rally? That's my question. When I read this, I think this guy is just spewing out some incredibly big numbers, hoping that they stick. To my knowledge, this is the largest single spreading event ever, super spreading event ever. I don't know of anything larger, he said. The only thing that would come close might be a a study done after spring break, after college spring break. But that was not a single event. The rally that drew hundreds of thousands of attendees from all over the country has officially been linked to hundreds of coronavirus cases in several states and at least one death. All right, so we have gone from 265,000 supposed cases to uh, with a, a a damage of what twelve billion, yeah, two hundred sixty-five thousand cases and a damage of twelve billion to a few hundred cases and one dead. So what do we got going on here? Which side is reality? That's what I see when I see this stuff. It's just crazy. The new research report from IZA Institute of Labor Economics and affiliated with the Center for Health Economics and Policy Studies at San Diego State University said the 10-day rally that supported that started August 7th drew more than 460,000 people. That's a lot of people um, to a South Dakota city with a population of only 7,000. 
All right, we conclude that the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally generated substantial public health costs, which we calculate to reach at least $12.2 billion. The estimates in this paper, if confirmed, all right, so they're not confirmed, if confirmed, would place Sturgis as the largest study uh, studied super spreading event, okay? And I think what they come down to is that each case um, would cost $46,000. Now, they haven't proven the cases, and there's no way to say that each case is going to be $46,000. A lot of people get it, and guess what? Nothing happens. You, no symptoms. So this is just complete nonsense. It, yet, yet it grabs the headlines. It kind of gives you an idea. Um, and so here's what uh, the South Dakota governor is saying. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem blasted the research report in a series of Twitter posts Tuesday. This report isn't science. It's fiction. Under the guise of academic research, it's nothing short of an attack on those who exercise their personal freedom to attend Sturgis, she tweeted. At one point, academic modeling also told us that South Dakota would have 10,000 COVID patients in the hospital at our peak. Today, we have less than 70, she said. So the governor is basically saying, yep, we call BS on this one. And I do too. So $12 billion, I mean, but this is an actual study that people are going, oh, yeah, look at this. This, this is what's going on. What a bunch of nonsense. You had a bunch of bikers that all got together. They rode their bikes. Bikers are not known for, they're, they're known for following their own rules and their own guidelines. And if a mask doesn't fit in there, guess what? They're not going to wear them. And I saw a bunch of video and guess what? They're not wearing masks. All right. So Sturgis, 265,000 cases. No, maybe a couple hundred. Sturgis, $12 billion of medical costs. No. Maybe a few thousand. I don't know. You've got a couple hundred cases and you got one, one death confirmed. And this has been over a month since this event happened. So you've got the media portraying, oh my gosh, these people aren't wearing masks. They're getting together. Oh, they're not wearing masks. This is horrible and awful. This is what it might be. Yeah, but it wasn't, right? All right. So let's move on. The next one we've got is we've got hundreds attend worship protest in the streets after Seattle closed Gasworks Park to large crowds. Welcome to Seattle's largest worship protest organizer, Sean Fout. If I'm mispronouncing his last name, I apologize, but Sean, and he spells it the right way, S-E-A-N, big Sean. Sean Fout said on his Twitter account, let's sing. So he's kind of a big evangelical guy, and I believe he is from a... Um, is it a Baptist church out of California? And that church has basically unaffiliated themselves from this guy because he runs around doing these big rallies, but he's a prayer rally guy. All right, so, and this is a King 5 article. Hundreds of people sang and prayed in the street on Meridian Avenue North in Fremont after a prayer rally and concert organized by worship leader Sean Foyt arrived at a closed-off Gasworks Park. So I've got a boat over in Seattle, and we look right at Gasworks Park. And this past, I think it was Saturday, they closed, or maybe it was Labor Day. Yeah, they closed the park for Labor Day um, because they knew this prayer rally was coming. And they're just like, oh, no, we can't have hundreds of people because they might spread the Rona. Can't have that. Unsanctioned event. Can't have people praying outside without masks on. Oh, that's a no-go. So the city of Seattle has closed the park for Labor Day ahead of anticipated crowding. 
All right. Ahead of the event, organizer Fout, Sean Fout, said on his Facebook page, the closure was targeted to his Let Us Pray gathering, which has been held at cities on the West Coast. I think he's done California. I think he's done Portland. And he also did um, Cal Anderson Park in Jop. Welcome to Seattle's largest worship protest, he wrote on his Twitter account. Let's sing. Foyt organized a similar rally in Capitol Hill's Cal Anderson Park earlier this year. The event goes against the limits on public gatherings in uh, Governor Jay Inslee's Safe Start plan. Attendee McKenna said that she and her friend drove up from Puyallup to Gasworks Park. That's probably a 45-minute drive. Although with Rona traffic, it's probably 30. We're all getting together a group of believers. We're still worshiping because I feel like Christians are under a lot of persecution right now, McKenna said. Now, what I want to say here is that it's interesting that the Black Lives Matter protesters, they get kind of a hall pass. You guys go do whatever you want. Now, in their defense, they were doing a march. Most of the time they were doing a march, but they'd always end up in one of these parks. Nobody ever said anything about them, but you get a bunch of Christians wanting to pray who are, for the most part, peaceful. I don't think we've had a violent riot end after a prayer rally. You just don't see that happening. But after the Black Lives Matter, that's a totally different story. But I think everybody's kind of just giving a hall pass to the Black Lives Matter and just saying, all right, you guys do your own thing. We know that you're not in compliance with the state's 50 or less people, but you guys do your own thing. But instead, we got these other groups here and we're going we're gonna to give them a stern talking to. We're going to close those parks. We're not going to admit that the reason we're closing the parks because we know that they're going to have a prayer rally. We're just going to close the parks and say, yeah, we got too many people coming. Not going to do this. And did, did the police say they couldn't come into the park? Nah, they pretty much just held it there anyway, from my understanding. It's so important that we are gathering together, especially in times like this. Sean Foyt on his Facebook page called the park closure hypocrisy. Though Seattle Parks and Recreation did not specifically cite the planned event as the reason for the closure. Seattle Parks and Recreation does not allow unpermitted public events to take place in Seattle Parks and ask the public to continue to adhere to public, uh, current public health guidelines so that we can keep our parks open, the city said in a statement. No police were visible and there were no counter protesters. Well, one person held a sign asking for attendees to wear masks and giving some out. Now, I heard that the one person handing out masks was there for 50 minutes, I think it was, and they gave out one. So you got one mask handed out. It's something like that. But people are there and they're just kind of like, you know what? This is the thing we're doing. You know, we might wear masks. Some of us might not. We, we know that we're more than 50 people in a group. We know that we're not socially distancing. But this is just kind of what we're doing. We're coming here to sing and pray and do our thing. That's just kind of what was happening in Seattle. I understand people want to worship God in their own way. I just want them to do it safely, said Jade, a Seattle resident. All right. So, um, yeah, and as you kind of scroll through this, you see the crowd has grown to a few hundred. um, But for legal reasons, they're calling it a protest. I don't see any kind of Seattle uh, police presence. It was, for the most part, just a pretty, pretty normal event. Um, Besides the fact that it was, you know, outside of the law, breaking the law. People just doing their thing. All right. This story here is of no surprise. So much for honor. Despite COVID cases, college students partied Labor Day weekend away. Oh, what do we have going on? We've got college students partying like rock stars. Are we okay with that? I mean, is that an okay thing? Are we, are we going to let this go? Are we going to let this go like the Sturgis rally and like the prayer rally? 
I think we do. I think it's just another group of people who are doing their own thing, and they're kind of like, yeah, this is what we're doing. So let's check it out. From double-decker party boats to shadowy riverside gatherings. Oh, shadowy riverside gatherings. What's that make you think about? Oh, what are they doing over there? Shadowy. It's by the river. They're having a gathering. College students have found a way to party. Will the fall semester survive? We don't know. This is some journalism going deep here. This is, this is important stuff. Partying students would be dismissed without tuition refunds, Northeastern University made clear on Friday, kicking out its first 11-year students who broke, well, kicking out 11 first-year students who broke COVID-19 rules to gather in a Boston hotel room. You guys can't party. That's a no-go. But you can do the Sturgis Biker Rally, or you could do the prayer, prayer gathering. You'd be okay there. But going to college and bettering yourselves, maybe doing a little partying, oh, that's a no-go. We can't have that. Yet by that night, a few dozen students from Northeastern and Boston University found their way to their Charles River, their, their legs lit by the Esplanade lights, their faces by reflections of skyscrapers off the water, bottles of Tito's vodka, Gatorade, Coca-Cola, and soda water were laid out on a park bench, a convenient bar for students seeking a way to party. They're just getting after it just like everybody else. They just happen to have booze because that's what college students do, all right? Any doubts that students would find a way to party, even during a pandemic, have been quickly dispelled as COVID-19 cases skyrocketed at colleges around the country. Some colleges promptly canceled in-person instruction and social media videos and images of partying students helped feed a narrative of irresponsible behavior, putting everyone in the university community at risk. Oh, we can't have that. That is no good. Now, the thing with college students is that they are in this kind of limited community and they see the same people over and over. So if they go out, they're exposing themselves to a lot of people. But people at the Sturgis Bike Rally, you got 465,000 people gathering. Guess what? They are. They're going to bring it back to other people. You got a few hundred people doing a prayer uh, gathering. All right. There's somebody in there that's got the Rona, right? I mean, guaranteed. I was over at CHOP a bunch. I was down in Portland at the protest down there. I'm sure I was around people with the Rona, but that's, and maybe I've had it. I don't know. I haven't been tested, but that's just kind of what people are doing right now, right? Everybody else is like, oh, you got to wear the mask. Go down the aisle the right way in the grocery store. Up, oh, we didn't go down the right aisle. There was a sign there on the ground. We didn't do it. Didn't do it. Oh, breaking the law. Over Labor Day weekend, starting with the Thirsty Thursday kickoff, USA Today dispatched college journalists in seven university towns across the country to witness firsthand the campus social scene. All right. They found a boat party in Indiana that had observers fearing another outbreak in town. Now, the boat uh, party in Indiana was four two-tiered boats. They're just straight-out party boats. First floor is the full size of the deck. Second floor, full size of the deck. You got a ladder going upstairs. Just a bunch of people in bathing suits, partying like rock stars. That's what you're going to do. You're in college. All right. And um, uh, we had a college president shooting selfies with students lined up outside a Maryland dance bar. Scores of students seeking ways to balance safety with an impulse for fun and an impromptu chopsticks lesson that couldn't have happened in a Zoom meeting. Boston's universities have some of the strictest coronavirus mandates governing behavior, but the lines are blurrier miles from campus and students are adept at finding loopholes. 
So what they're doing is they're going off campus and they're having their fun. They're doing their thing. And the college students are far from student, from stupid. Sorry. <laughs> Massachusetts has a 50-person limit on gatherings held outdoors in defined spaces, but there's no cap on open spaces like the Charles River Esplanade. The student body from both universities could gather unmasked under a cluster of sweet cherry trees with enough room for distancing in theory and still be on the right side of the law. So this is what we're doing. We're going to go here. We're going to have our fun here. That's what's happening. More importantly, they know how frequently every student has been tested for COVID-19. If anyone had tested positive, they'd been set up in isolation room and unable to leave. All right. So it sounds like it's pretty much handled. One student who didn't give his name for fear of disciplinary action said that's why they check to make sure everyone at the party is a student. They're wary of outsiders who haven't undergone the same degree of testing, but the ones out here, they're COVID-free on a warm September night. The student's reason, so why not take the party down to the river? And then we've got kind of examples of Boston University's um, things going on, some students at a ball field, Boston University, outside their dorms at Nickerson Field, just kind of hanging out. People congregate Thursday outside Nick's Bar in Bloomington, Indiana, near the Indiana University campus. Um, we've got guys sitting outside of the Pi Capital fraternity at uh, Indiana University. They're not socially distancing. A bouncer tends to a patron entering Nick's bar near the Indiana University campus on Thursday. So you've just got college students doing their normal thing, normal thing. So this article goes on to kind of document, uh, oh, but here's the, here's, for, for those of you on the podcast, I'm now looking at the um, boat scene. This is Indiana University students gather on boats on Lake Monroe. And boy, that is a party scene. Just a bunch of kids having fun. They're just goofing around. They're not socially distancing. But that's that's kind of where we're at. And so my whole thing on this podcast is that there's a lot of people doing a lot of their own thing. And I think most adults, for the most part, are still wearing a mask when you go into a store. They have to here in the state of Washington, got to wear a mask. If you're going anywhere with any sense of exposure to other people, you just wear a mask. But in these other instances... People are just doing their own thing. And we're kind of at that point where, all right, if I don't have to wear a mask there, I'm not going to. So the minute I walk outside of a store, even though it's recommended that I wear one in public, I'm not putting that mask on. I'm taking it off or I'm leaving it on my chin. Just leave it there because then you look like you're ready for the mask, but you don't necessarily have to have it on because masks are annoying. Let's admit it. And then you've got other people who are just like staunch mask wearers. Oh, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. But I think the rest of us are kind of at that point where, you know what? We're just going to do our own thing and not worry about it. Now, last weekend would have been um, Labor Dave weekend, which here in Seattle, that means Dave Matthews plays three nights of shows, never plays the same song twice, and that's at the Gorge. It's Labor Dave weekend at the Gorge. It's an amazing time for adults wanting to have some fun. I miss going there. My neighbors across the street used to go there for years. I moved away from them, but, you know, just hardcore Dave Matthews fans. I'm not a hardcore Dave Matthews fans, but that weekend, that's a pretty fun weekend. Go down to the river, go down the Columbia Gorge during the day where it's super hot. At night, you've got a three-hour jam session by Dave Matthews. I mean, I'm not hugely into his music, but it's a pretty fun weekend. So we would have had that this last weekend, but I was talking to my girlfriend and we're like, 
if that show were a go, would we be heading over? Would we be going to that? I don't know. That's, that's a maybe. Maybe I would have gone over. Maybe she wouldn't have gone over because of some impact on, on family that we don't want to have, something like that. But then we've always kind of gone together, so not going together, that would be a drag. I think next summer, for sure, if it's available, I would go because there should be a vaccine by then. But for events like that, um, and when I go to Sturgis this year, if I had a motorcycle, which means I wouldn't be going to Sturgis because, you know, riding a big motorcycle, not doing that. Um, but I would. But would I do that right now in today's you know, environment? Probably not. And not because I'm afraid of getting the coronavirus. It just doesn't seem like a great idea to have 465,000 people in a town that normally has 7,000. That seems like some real overcrowding. But I get it. They've had this rally since 1938. If you're a biker, you don't give a damn about the coronavirus, right? The Rona is not going to get you. If you're a big ass biker, it, it, you get the Rona. Ah, you know, maybe you feel it, maybe you don't. Then you've got other people like, oh, no, it, it's killing this many percentage of people and the death rate is this and oh, it's expanding and oh, this is just terrible. Whatever side you're on, we're at that point where we're kind of like, all right, yeah, we still believe that it's going on and it's here, but we're not doing as much as we used to and we're more tolerant of gatherings because we kind of realize, all right, you have a gathering, not everybody's going to die. In fact, not that many people are probably going to get it. Statistically, a lot of people just don't get it, right? They don't get it. All these college students, they're all hanging out. Some of them have probably, you know, had it or whatever. And it's, it's, it is contagious, but this is just where we're at. We're doing our thing. So that's kind of the point of this podcast is that, um, yeah, this is where we're at. We're, we're just kind of more acceptant of doing normal things. And I think people are getting back to normal a little bit more of all of the restaurant workers and managers and Uber drivers and anybody I can talk to out in the field and out in the field, I mean, outside of my home and outside my office, anybody I talk to have said, there's a little bit more activity come the second uh, half of August than there has been before. Things are getting back to normal a little bit. And I think as you see the transition into fall, you're going to see more and more people going out doing their thing. Specifically, restaurants are feeling a little bit more of an uptick of people are feeling a little bit more comfortable going out, not necessarily to either go out to a prayer gathering where you don't have masks. And I found that one particularly entertaining, is that um, it's kind of one of those, well, God will protect us from the Rona. And I'm like, yeah, but if you just wore a mask, I think everybody would look at you and go, all right, they're doing a prayer thing, and they're doing some singing, they're singing some hymns, we're going to let this pass. But the fact that they're not wearing masks, I mean, even most of the protesters at the Black Lives Movement matters, they were all wearing masks. But we've got the prayer rally where a few people are wearing masks. Uh, I don't know. Wear a mask. Call it good. The bikers at Sturgis, I get that. You're not going to tell them to do anything. Nothing. And that's okay. I mean, if, if that's where you're at, and if that's what you know is going to happen in Sturgis, stay away from Sturgis if that's a big issue for you. Stay away from Gasworks Park if you're afraid of having people breathe on you and pray and or sing. The rest of us kind of just doing our own thing. So that's all I've got. No real conclusion here other than I think people are getting out and about more. And um, I think people need to be a little bit more tolerant, not be quite so fearful of the Rona. If you are, you know, if you do have a medical condition, stay home. 
but let the rest of us kind of go out and, and do our thing a little bit more. That's where I'm at. All right. I'm Sean Reynolds from Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. I am still podcasting daily during the era of the pandemic, sometimes twice daily, but we're le- releasing at least one. So I'd love to have you subscribe if you think this is interesting or if it's informative or whatever it is that made you want to tune in here. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you in the next one. All right. Bye for now. See you then. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.